Hello and a big welcome to Holtcast 124. As usual, it's me, James Russian, and once again, I'm joined by Danny Raza. How are you getting on, pal? Hey, man, I'm good. I'm good. Been a bit of a been a bit of a lazy weekend, I tell you that. Uh, it's another one of them where uh, Villa haven't done too well, and England haven't done too well in the Ashes either. So it's been a bit of a negative week in sport. So been chilling at home, really. Yeah, man, I, I feel a bit uh, under home arrest. I've been playing Batman on the PS4. I've done everything there is. I've 100%ed the game. I've drank about 75 cans of Coke Zero. Um, Villa depressed me. We'll get onto that. But yeah, it's been a very lazy weekend and I don't think you know the lack of optimism on the football pitch has helped that at all, mate. No, definitely not, mate. Um, Coke Zero, though, that 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 much? like You know, it's, you know that's still bad for you, James. Yeah, I'm feeling. I'm still feeling pretty buzzed from it. To be fair, I think there's some there's stuff in there. It's not healthy at all, is it? You know, if you think it's got no sugar in, it's going to be healthier. But at least my teeth don't feel like you know squishy or horrible. Like, no, no, definitely. Well, they're they're not going to break like our defense did. So I mean, that's oh no, like uh, water over rocks, mate. It wasn't it wasn't good at all. It wasn't good at all. And two um, nil to Derby, a promo- pl- promotion rival, playoff rival, automatic promotion rival. Uh, not positive at all. Really, nothing of major note to speak about after that match. Uh, Villa folded very early. And what were your expectations going into this match before the result? James, we we spoke about this match last week, and what the thing that we said was that we had to take the game to to Derby. We had to go out there and attack them because Derby are a good side. This is a Derby team which has now gone, I believe, five games with five wins and five clean sheets. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that is the statistic. Gary Rowett has been doing very well with them. They've got a good, um, they've got a good side going forward. Wyman did well. Him even scoring against us. You know, David Nugent obviously starting up top for them as well. And then, you know, my expectation before that game might have been that okay, Steve Bruce does something which is a little bit more exciting. He would have learned from the Millwall game like he said he would have done, right? He said that, um, he said after the Millwall game that perhaps they needed to try something different, but they did not. They started out, in fact, you know what? No, they did do something different, right? But it wasn't a positive change, was it? They didn't replace uh, Keenan Davis with another striker. They replaced him with Jack Grealish, obviously then putting Onomore up front. Essentially, we went into that game with six midfielders, four defenders and obviously Sam Johnston in goal. And as soon as I saw that team sheet, I had absolutely no doubt in my mind that we were going to tumble over. And unfortunately, that is what we did. Villa were no good at all, mate. Um, and I think they were set up to fail. We'll get a lot more into the preparation and you know the manager later, but let's just focus on that single position, the position of the striker. Keenan Davis was a said to be ill or extremely ill in the morning of the match. And for whatever reason, he wasn't replaced. So the game plan, I guess, was not to change anything, but more so push Onoma up front. Uh, a lot of people are saying Jack Grealish is a false nine. Uh, Bruce trying to emulate Pep Guardiola by uh, you know, playing off the flanks, bringing uh, a deeper striker in to make sure those wingers can get up. I didn't really see that at all. What I saw was them just trying to play the same way with Josh Onoma, a midfielder, instead of Keenan Davis. And that made me very uncomfortable. The positioning, the way the team was set up, we'll get, again, as, as I said, we'll get onto Bruce later. But more so, the way this squad was set up was incredibly strange, especially with Scott Hogan on the bench. Oh, mate, it was it was just disgusting to me. Like I've, I used that term, it was disgusting. Because 
what you've got is you've got a load of fans traveling over to Derby, expecting Villa to take a game to them and to, you know, perform. And I'm not going to blame the players over here. I mean, there, there were individual errors during that game, which obviously you can put the players at fault for, but then you have the nerve to go ahead and start a team, which clearly shows no intention to win the game. And Steve Bruce coming out with that comment after the game as well, perhaps I should have started one of them. What an absolute joke. That is a direct quote. Perhaps I should have started a striker, essentially. And Josh Onomer up front. This almost feels like, and I hate to go into a reference over here with something which a lot of football fans might not understand, but I'm a, I'm a wrestling fan, right? This is, this is something which, um, which, which, got, which happened to us, right? You essentially got a guy like uh, John Cena or Roman Reigns, right, who is essentially pushed and rewarded and, uh, and and constantly been given the spotlight, constantly being given um, the, the main event status. And uh, essentially, even though people don't understand what's good about them, even though people uh, don't like watching them, they're, consistent, they're consistently being pushed. And this is what I'm seeing with Josh Onoma now with Steve Bruce. Why is Josh Onoma being rewarded for his poor performances. Why is Josh Onoma playing every single game and being pushed up top as a striker as a replacement for Keenan Davis when he has shown absolutely no reason whatsoever for him even to be starting? That is that 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 this is this is this is my problem. Uh, we're rewarding players who aren't playing well, um, essentially. And we're not giving any chances to any of the younger lot who are being stopped from getting into the game. Now, is this because Steve Bruce is scared that Tottenham Hotspur won't be happy with the way that um, with the way that he's handling his loan spell? I don't know, but I just I, I need some explanation as to why this guy is playing. No, I don't think uh, you're alone in thinking that. I mean, we asked for a load of questions, and then we did get a, a pile of them. And I guess when stuff's going bad, you're more likely to get found response. So again, I thank everyone who's wrote into us today because there is a lot to go on. Um, in regards to the striker situation, Colin Jackson said that's uh, at Colin Jackson on Twitter, Colin Jackson one nine one. Sorry, Gabby could have played forty five minutes and swapped for Hogan. We we've put a midfield player instead. And regardless of you know if Anna was playing bad or good, that he should not be in that position at all, <laughs> especially with two strikers on the bench. Well, exactly. I mean, this is the, this is the thing, right? Like. <laughs> even if you are convinced about Onoma's performances, what on earth do you see in Josh Onoma's attributes that, that that warrant him being played up front? It's almost like he's just decided to go, right, okay, um, you're an attacking midfielder. You kind of know how to attack. Let's just put you up in that position. Guy's probably never played there in, in his whole life. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the, the, the comment obviously from, from Twitter, if Steve Bruce's justification for not starting Gabby and Hogan is that they might be a little bit injured, then... Well, yeah, give them forty-five minutes each. It's common sense, isn't it? It's not. It's not rocket science. It's not rocket science. You're going away at Derby, one of the best teams in the league at the moment, one of the teams which are informed with one of the brightest young managers tactically. How on earth is playing six midfielders going to achieve anything? You're not going to win, let alone draw. Well, going on, there's a few more comments here. MB Miller on Twitter, MB Miller ROC says. Did Hurahan even take a single shot on goal? So what I'm gathering is that we're not we're you know we're not playing a striker to you know maybe I um, don't disagree with not playing a striker. It's not like it, I think it's a awful idea. I think it's an awful idea for Aston Villa, but in a footballing terms and in theory, I don't think you necessarily need a striker. If you could, if you've got talented wingers, you can bring into play. 
But you need support from midfield and Hurrahan and Whelan didn't really have much influence. Whelan obviously having an awful mistake and I won't single him out for being terrible because the whole team were, you know, there was only a few players who can really leave that much with any sort of pride. But uh, Hurrahan didn't even have a single shot. You know, he didn't do much. And when you're not playing with a striker or someone who is a natural striker, you need the midfielders support and uh, going on to Josh Onoma Jay Bugden um, Jay Bugden 82 on Twitter why are we field, fielding another team's talent when we have our own talent I'm having real trouble warming to Onoma I just don't rate him and I think a lot of fans are turning on on Josh now because he's not our player and he, his performances have been 6 out of 10 at best of recent oh, of late. absolutely and he doesn't look like he's he doesn't look like he's doing enough whatsoever he goes missing during games even when he's playing in midfield so it's not just his performance being up top it's his performance from midfield as well I'd like to know how many chances the guy's actually created because they all seem to be coming from the wing now a domer and snodgrass can't be expected to, to to be doing it every single week you know you need somebody who's who's behind the striker especially in a game um, like today uh, but you, you need you basically you need everybody performing well don't you to, to some degree and Josh Onoma he hasn't he hasn't done enough for me whatsoever every now and then he might pop up with a decent effort fair enough but is he a team player I don't know. Um, I don't. I'm struggling to understand what Josh Onoma is offering us that somebody like Callum O'Hare might, um, especially considering that a lot of these, uh, a lot of these young players in our academy are going to be, you know, chomping at the bits to basically, uh, to basically, you know, put themselves um, in the side on a consistent basis. You know, like Keenan Davis did it. We gave him a chance, and we, because we were forced to, because we had to, and now the guys actually today we were missing him. And there's going to be other young players in our in our academy who are able to do that. And I'm sorry if it, when it comes down to it, when it comes to starting a striker, and you know if we didn't have Gabby, if we didn't have Hogan, fair enough. But I'd rather have a young player who's been training in that position for a number of years than us just forcing in, as you say, another team's talent in that position when we don't really need to be. Probably worth saying that, Josh Alamet isn't the worst player to have played for Aston Villa. He, it, he, he's he been played out of position multiple times across the pitch. Uh, he's not been given the right instructions. So again, it is worth saying we shouldn't do a Glenn Whelan and scapegoating, but we should reflect on the fact that maybe he does need to be rotated out of the team, maybe does need to be played in a better position or a more natural position. Because again, we're not getting the best out of this clearly talented player. And whether it's a case of, you know, a lot of people say we shouldn't nurture other teams' talent while we've got our own. But if, we can use or cultivate Josh Onoma in a way that works for us, then we absolutely should. But it's not happening at the moment. No, exactly. But the point of a lone player is that is that they're supposed to help your team or they're supposed to basically push your team forward a little bit, improve them. But at a time where he's not going to be doing that, there's no point in starting him. It's it, it's Our interest should always be playing the best possible side, obviously with the best chance to win. And... I don't think Steve Bruce did that yesterday. Um, it, to me, it just seemed like he was forcing the kid into the side purely because, you know, he's a he's a bigger name, I guess. And uh, purely because, um, I don't know, it might be something to do with loan agreements. It might be something to do with uh, the, 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 the fact he... Um, he doesn't want to. Up, he doesn't want to upset Josh Onoma. Obviously, coming from a Premier League side, but he shouldn't feel under pressure to be to be playing him at the end of the day because if he's not improving the team, there's no point of him being in there. 
Dino Pierce on Twitter said, we lack the fluid playing off the ball mobility of an automatic promotion team or a Premier League team. You didn't that Greeley, Schlansbury, all back his options in the middle. But after paying big bucks for Hogan, we need to give him a run against to decide his future. We, you know, we, we are... We are in an identity crisis, I feel. And I mean, it's very easy to go after that match and look at all doom and gloom. You know, we haven't won in three games. We can be really negative if we want. But we are seeing the kind of same problems over and over again. It's Villa struggle to break down teams. You know, unless there's masses of individual talent on display or a player literally grabs the game by the balls and runs with it, then... um. You know, nothing's going to happen. You know, you have to rely on Robert Snodgrass putting a peach of a ball in, Albert Adoma run, running over a team, or Jonathan Codger, you know, doing his thing. And uh, without that, you know, when when that form drops, we get into these situations like the Millwall match and this match where we just kind of, we are nothing. We are, There is nothing about us that's special. But James, we created chances. We created chances yesterday because we played Jack Grealish. We get, we gave him a chance on the side and he did create chances. Yeah, we had the the, the absolutely awful mistake from Glenn Whelan earlier on, but to some degree, you know, we, w- we were going forward, but we didn't have a freaking striker on the pitch. You can't win a game. You can't bring a side down unless you've got a proper player up top who knows what he's doing. Uh, I've only ever seen a false nine work a couple of times before. Once with Lionel Messi and perhaps once with Jeremy Menez at Milan years ago. But we, we, we don't have that kind of forward who's going to be able to sit in that kind of position. Sorry, that, uh, that kind of attacking midfielder who's going to sit in that position and bring other players in because we're just not that pretty as a team. But we did create chances yesterday. and Yeah, I mean, it's worth saying that Snodgrass had a chance cleared off the line. And that, uh, this conversation is entirely different if that goes in, right? Well... I mean, it, it depends, doesn't it? It depends if we're able to hold on. But uh, would would Steve Bruce have, have then gone ahead and, and brought on Gabby? He probably wouldn't have, would he? He probably would have decided to to carry on with Arnhemar up top because clearly he thought it would be working. And now, the, the, the thing is, Derby were always going to be more like Discord during that game because they had a forward and because they had more attacking players on the pitch. You know, and that's that's pretty much, um, you know, that's that's pretty much the way I saw it. Derby were happy for, for happy for us to have possession, but we, we could have done more with it. We perhaps could have done more with it. And um, I think the other thing you got to remember about Snodgrass's chance was it was on his right foot. It was on his weaker foot. And, uh, you know, the Derby defender was was always on the line there. He was always getting to it. Some positives then. Jack Grealish, mate, played uh, exceptionally well from what I've seen of the match. And what I've heard, um, you know, applauding the Villa fans before the match, giving a real spirited performance. And it is good to see him back in the side. Now, it's fantastic to see Jack Grealish back in the team. I think we've lacked him for a while because we we, we do lack that kind of player. I mean, we've got Adoma, which is good. But um, other than, say, Adoma recently, especially with Jonathan Codger injured, we've lacked that kind of player who enjoys running at defenders and taking them on. And uh, it's good to see that back again. Uh, we, we do need a little bit of that sometimes and it's good to have him here as an option. And Jack Grealish now is showing us, you know, why how talented he really is. I think he's always shown us that, but, you know, obviously him being injured for such a long time, um, we, we, we've been missing that slightly. Uh, and I think he's starting to come into his own again. Now, Jack Grealish is fantastic, but I want him linking up with, with, with somebody decent up top. You know, we're, we're never going to do well if Grealish is running forward and he's got nobody supporting him. You know, that's that's the thing with him at the end of the day. And I don't think Grealish works too well with the wingers either, if I'm totally honest with you. I think he is genuinely the guy you need behind the striker. And I, and I did see a bit of that today. Yesterday, even. 
Well, yeah, he always looks to make things happen. He's a genuinely intelligent footballer. Some some of the decisions he does make are poorly timed. He does like to show off and he does like to be the star of the match. And I think that's a player Villa didn't really need for the last few years, but it's someone they're kind of needing now. So a few more starts under his belt. Maybe if we play the right tactics, we you know, especially the lineup. I'm not I don't give a monkeys about instructions or what what he's telling the players. If you can get the right people in the right positions, then there should be enough instinct there, especially with people like Grealish, Adoma, Davis and Snodgrass. They're pure talent. Now let's figure all these players are pretty talented in their own right. So that can make things happen, you know just maybe a little bit of time hopefully we can scrape a few wins until things start coming in together together again because I'm looking at the fixture sheet now we'll get onto a lot of fixture talk like especially with the next match against Sheffield United it doesn't look like a great deal of games for Villa coming up it does look pretty tough Sam Johnston will be very important in those games mate as he was yesterday any words on the boy in goal um I did think that he did, yeah. He did save quite a lot of chances, didn't he, from Derby, especially earlier on. Uh, there, there were quite a few opportunities which I think Villa just handed to Derby quite often during that game. I think there was one that one that comes uh, comes to my head a little bit earlier on, David Nugent. But I think coming to think of it, I think Nugent might have just missed that one altogether. Um, but there were quite there were quite a lot of opportunities where where Johnston did step in. I mean, having said that, um, it's a shame he couldn't have kept the others out, but. Uh, I don't think Glenn, Re- Glenn Whedon really gave him much of a chance in the first one. No, that's just a pure mistake. Again, I won't you know, go too hard on Glenn because the whole team was poor, apart from those bright spots, you know, Johnson. Yeah, mate, that was that's that was unforgivable. That was... I, we, I've seen that too many times from Villa, from Villa midfielders over the past few years. Glenn Whedon's not the only one to have ever done it, uh, but you don't see other teams doing it. That's that. That's all I'm going to say. I've never seen... I, I barely ever see that happen to Villa. I mean, happen against Villa. Um... Uh, and it, it's just it's just it's part and parcel of what happens when you set a team out to defend if you're if you're telling them to go go the other way then that's going to happen every now and then isn't it and i think it's more of a mentality thing than um I mean, yeah, then then a skillful thing, I guess. Tell you what, I'd rather we have uh, set up with five centre backs and five uh, central midfielders and just hold the middle of the park like a stupid, weird kind of um, anti-football formation rather than what we put out yesterday. Because what we put out yesterday was really embarrassing. It was embarrassing, and, and even still, right? If you're going to put out a team to defend the game out and not concede any goals, then don't put a midfielder at centre back. Like, I'm, 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 so, I'm sorry about coming in so hard about this, but what, why is Jedinak playing at centre back? We've got Richie Delat, you know. We've got other defenders around, haven't we? I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, Tommy Elphick is still available, and uh, I think, yeah, it, obviously, it's, uh, it's, um, it's something that we've been talking about how he hasn't been very good, you know, when he has played. But you know, flipping egg, rather him than than Jedinak a centre back. Don't get me wrong, I love I love Mila Jedinak, but he's not a de- he's not a central defender. He never has been, you know. Um, and I'm I'm just very very confused as to what Steve Bruce was trying to do yesterday. I had no clue whatsoever. Uh, now sometimes that's actually good if you're able to confuse the other side, but if you're going to confuse the other side, at least do it well. Maybe would uh, Jedinak be better? as part of a back three where he can be maybe a more of a ball playing defender, someone who's going to take the ball a bit forward, maybe more of a half back. I'd think if he had some support on either side of him. I mean, you could put him in the David Luiz position. Right. That, that might work, but I, Steve Bruce's 
five at the back formation has never worked for us. I uh, don't see any reason why it would do. Plus, to do that, we'd need to have two strikers up top. And Steve Bruce didn't even want to start one yesterday. Uh, that, so, I mean, that's that's how I feel about that. Let's go into that decision then, mate, because it sounds like there's a similar... Like you, you know, the words that almost come out of your lips about this. Why did Steve Bruce not want to start a striker at all? Do you know what? Uh, I don't know. I like I I, I it's, it's it's really really difficult for me to understand why why he didn't do it. Um, I think he wanted to shove all of his fancy attacking players uh up there uh w- w- without being criticised. And I like I I don't un- I don't understand what in his head made him think that there was any chance we were going to win with Onomore up top. But it's almost like he thought, right, I need to pick Jack Grealish, but I can't drop any of Adoma, Snodgrass, or Onoma. So he thought, I know, I'm going to stick Onoma up top, and I'm going to, you know, put every single one of these players in the team. That way, no one can have a go with, uh, no one can have a go at me if it went wrong. But unfortunately, he's got some sort of issue with Steve. Um, sorry, with, with with Scott Hogan. I can understand why Gabby didn't start. Gabby's been injured for a long time. Scott Hogan, on the other hand. He's been in and around for the last few weeks. He's been getting back into fitness. What is the point of leaving him on the bench? James, we are the side who last season decided to sign Jonathan Codger, Ross McCormack, and Scott Hogan. All three of those strikers were in the form of their life before they came to Villa. These are three, three strikers who you would consider going all out for in the championship. Right, no other side had the capabilities of doing that, and here we are sitting here, not two years later, and talking about how we don't have a striker. What on earth is that? McCormack is over in Australia. Scott Hogan is rotting on the bench, and Jonathan Codger is out until the end of the season. I really want to understand how Steve Bruce, in his own mind, can sit there and start a midfielder up top when. This is the situation we've had over the last year and a half. That is why I think it's a disgrace. And no side should be uh, talking about not having a recognised striker in their ranks, especially not of our stature in the championship. Because I tell you what, there's sides with far worse financial situations than us. And they've all got strikers. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a situation that is completely of our own making, isn't it? Any manager, as uh, Roy Gremlin in the UK on Twitter said, any manager that doesn't play a strike deserves to get done over, turned over. And um, I completely agree. Um, there are situations where not playing a striker can work. You, you know, if your team is playing fluid, brilliant football on the floor, bringing in wingers, you know, attacking from the flanks, cutting in and pushing up playing with a high line and getting that press going, it's going to work every single time for you. You don't need a striker if you're doing that because you're going to pack the box with talented players. Villa aren't doing that. Villa are lumping it forward. <laughs> They're uh, white. There, there, there are, again, I don't dislike Steve Bruce. I think he's a, I do think he has been a good to us so far, especially with some of the football we've seen over the last few years. He doesn't play tasty, attractive football, but he has got us you know, feeling good. And this podcast is testament to that, isn't it? How we've been so positive recently. But we do have to be realistic about how bad that was. It was awful. And the thing is, is that the, the other thing is, there's no situation. There's no situation. All right, Jonathan Codger's injured. All right, Ross McCormack's gone over to Australia to sort out his fitness. I don't know why we would set him over there. Uh, but we've got, we've got Scott Hogan on the bench. They're all available. Like, it's not like Steve Bruce doesn't have the facets. 
we're just sitting here confused about his about his lineup and how, and how on earth he's come to that conclusion um or come to the conclusion that that that, that was the right team to start I mean, he just think about it. Like, don't get me wrong. Actually, no, I was going to say El Mohamedi starting was a good thing, but then I just realised he was forced to do it. So, I mean, forget forget whatever point I was going to make there about Scott, about Steve Bruce thinking about his team selection. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what what goes on in his head, but it almost feels like he he gets peer pressure and just starting the biggest names players he can find in that team, pretty much. Well, at Villain Shaw said to us earlier that uh, Bruce got it wrong. He said in a press conference that he got it wrong against Millwall. You know, he felt weird starting Henry Lansbury. He felt almost obliged to start Lansbury and things didn't go right for him. And he would learn from this. But how wrong could he have been? That was not learning at all. That was worse. Uh, he didn't learn anything, mate. Listen, last last week, and I, I commented on that whole Millwall situation, right? That comment about Henry Lansbury was absolute BS. Like, he, he he was just looking for a scapegoat for another poor performance. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, Steve Bruce seems to be playing teams which uh, protect him um, from from any sort of criticism. That's that's what I saw today. Anyway, I mean, you know, that he he just decides that he'll play all the all the best players, and then you know anybody who who hasn't been uh, in his team selection. You know, for the most part of this uh, for the most part of the season, he's almost scared to play them for the. Uh, you know, in case they don't play well. Um, and I don't know what exactly he, he learned from the Millwall game because he didn't change anything really, did he? Like, I, I, I can't see what he changed apart from bringing Grealish in. And that was, a, that was almost a forced choice. There wasn't a great deal of change and there wasn't a great deal of positivity on display, mate. And, uh, you know, a lot of the Villa fan base are feeling, feeling negative. You know, we've had comments comparing Steve Bruce to Mike Bassett after, after yesterday and I, I don't think that's that far off, you know what I mean? And I don't want to, you know, Steve Bruce obviously knows a lot more about football than anyone commenting, you know, he's been in the game long enough, but these mistakes are so clear and it's agonising to see some of the things you're doing. That being said, we are still, we, you know, it's not the end of days. We are in the, still in the playoff hunt. It's going to take a lot to, for us to be pushed out of that, but we really do need to book our ideas. Yeah, no, definitely. And no, like, don't get me wrong. He's not as much of a Steve, uh, sorry, he's not as much of a Mike Bassett as, as Steve Cottrell. Like Birmingham City have definitely got the uh, got the upper hand on that situation, um, but like, yeah, I mean, it, it is it is a case of, of of pushing forward. But like we we say this every single week, and it's been about three weeks on the trot now where we haven't had a result. And James, every single weekend after that podcast, we said, all right, we'll pick ourselves up, right? We'll we'll go in, we'll have a new idea, we'll do something a little bit different. There's been minor changes every single week, but we're still playing the same brand of football. We're still um we're still not going out there to win games, unfortunately, at the end of the day. And we're still conceding goals early on. So unless Steve Bruce decides that he wants to take a game by the scruff of its neck, then unfortunately things aren't going to change. Because we're not scaring anybody at the top of the table over there. Well, we've literally, over the course of the month, thrown away automatic promotion. It's not going to happen. It's not happening now, unfortunately, because uh, this side is just not capable of a consistent run of, of good games without Steve Bruce. Um, like, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, without him essentially, like, you know, sapping the magic out of, uh, of however well we're playing. And I think it's looking even more likely. It's been looking. It's been looking like this for the last couple of weeks or so. It's been looking more and more likely that that Albert that Albert Adoma run was a little bit of luck that was hiding a lot of things that have been wrong with our play. 
Uh, and I think in January, Steve Bruce has a lot to do. We need to loan in a striker or we need to start putting our faith in the guys that we actually have. Um, and I think I'm leaning more towards the idea of loaning in a striker considering that Kajir is out until the end of the season. But uh, then again, uh, well, we, we don't seem to make good decisions on that front um, in terms of picking players that suit our style of football. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of... We've been linked to more than one striker. Um, I'm not sure how to say his name. The guy from Leicester, uh, Leonardo... It's Ola. Ola. You know what? The commentators can't really decide. It's either Iloa or Ujoa. Um, it's, it's one of those. Yeah, I'd like to at least pay him the decency of trying to get it right because he might be a Villa player soon. But Lewis Graben, Rolanda Ahrens, Ollie McBurney, Alfredo Morelos of Rangers... Well, Oloa, <laughs> Jack Marriott, and Naki Wells are uh, among the strikers we kind of chase it, and none of them kind of inspire me at all. Right, listen, like, L- N- Naki Wells, right? Tell me the difference between Naki Wells and Scott Hogan because I don't see an awful lot of difference over there, right? Ojoa, okay, that's something a little bit different, right? He- he's something that I do understand. Because, you know, it's been a while since we've actually had a proper, like, commanding centre forward. Like, we've got Keenan Davis. Like, don't get me wrong, but he's um, he's not quite there yet. Uh, since Gestede went, stupid decision, by the way. I've ranted about this one plenty of times. Stupid decision, by the way. Um, since Gestede went, we haven't had a dominant, you know, centre forward who's, who's a little bit big. And I think that could mean that if we are going to be playing, you know, lump football up top, um, although it will create some danger for us. Uh, Graben does well, tends to score goals, probably has done that in more for sides in the championship, which have actually been playing good football and actually, um, you know, work well as a unit uh, anyway. Doesn't seem to do it in the Premier League, unfortunately. Uh, and as for anybody from the SPL, is it the SPL, Scottish Premier League? Yeah, yeah. I'm not having it. Unless it's, <laughs> unless it's Moussa Dembele, I'm not having it because uh, I can't remember the last person who came over from there and, and did well as a forward. Even then, if you're playing for Rangers third in the Scottish Premier League right now, chance of European football, do you move? To, I mean, Aston Villa is more illustrious. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of money. But I take the chance for Europa League football, mate, to be quite, to be clear. Because, you know, you get to be on such a good stage. You get to play on t- midweek TV. You get to be in the eyes of the world. You, a, Rangers aren't going to win the Europa League. Let's not get that wrong. They're barely going to qualify for it. But still, at a higher level than Villa, that that European stage is going to be the, it's going to be a level <laughs> that we can provide as well, is it? Yeah, but on that basis, why isn't Christian Benteke playing for Carabag FC? Yeah, you know, perfect. That's a perfect counterpoint, man. Uh, Christian Benteke saved uh, Crystal Palace the other day, man. Uh, I'm I'm glad to see he's finally kicking on because they weren't getting on well uh, over the last few weeks when he took that penalty and and I uh, missed it. But yeah, um, Steve Bruce, mate. Uh, final point on him. A lot of people are worried about him. Would you want to end those worries, or would you look to kind <laughs> of? Would you like to support him? Or would you kind of start to think twice again about him? Sounded like a mafia boss there, man. Would you like to end those worries? <laughs> would, you, would, you, would you like to take him out? <laughs> He's probably got more dodgy connections than any any of us uh, have. He's probably got some like, dodgy connections. Steve Bruce, no, no, come not on. At not at all. No, see, he looks like Fat Tony from The Simpsons, mate. Steve Bruce. Yeah, he looks like Fat Tony from The Simpsons. Was he? What was he? Was he the? Was he the Italian guy? The mob. 
the mob boss with the bags under his eyes. Steve Bruce looks exactly like him. Oh, no. no one can tell me otherwise. Don't know if I see that, man. Don't know if I see that. But I mean, I, I, I okay, I get, I get where you're coming from. I get the feel you're going for. But no, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's worth sacking Steve Bruce. But somebody needs to get Steve Bruce in a room and just say, like, come on, mate, like, get your ideas together. Like, I, there, there, there needs to be some progressiveness, and I know Tony's ESC is that right, but. Well, I I don't know who's advising him or what backroom staff we have, but I think we need somebody else in who's got a little, you know, got some cojones, right? Who's got some balls, who's able to tell Steve Bruce that, you know, we don't need to be playing this way every single week. Like, what well, it was working a few weeks ago, but then something has changed about our play. And I think it what it is to do with the tiredness, and I think it is to do with playing the same players every single week. Um, I think part of it, is I think part of it is not having a proper like recognized striker who's, who's leading the line every single week. I think that's you know one of the main things which has gone wrong. But I think Villa need to understand their for, their mentality going forward a little bit um, a little bit more. Uh, and I think as things stand, whilst we can't do that, I think Steve Bruce needs to buck up his ideas and instead of playing not to lose, we need to start playing to win. And I think that might mean playing two strikers up front. You know, at least give it a go because the way that we're playing at the moment, it's a bit like, uh, it's a bit like golden balls. You know the game golden balls, right? Like, if if you're gonna if you're gonna sit back and play to draw, right? There's a chance you're not gonna draw. There's a chance you're not gonna win out of it, right? A lot of the time you're gonna lose, but if you play to win, then at least you've got a chance, and most of the time you're gonna win something. And I think that this is the way that we need to start thinking about things. We need to take that risk a little bit more because as the side, which, you know, has the more talented players than most of the teams in the championship, if we take that risk more often than not, it's going to come off well. And I will not have a problem about, I will not have a problem with us losing 3-2 every now and then, as long as we go out there and win games. What I'm seeing at the moment is Steve Bruce is really, really afraid. Like this, this team just does not want to lose, but, you can only do that for so long. You can only defend for so long. And we, we've seen it for years. It's never worked for any single manager who's done what, who's tried to do that with us. Paul Lambert, Alex McLeish went wrong for every single, for, for both of them. Tim Sherwood near the end of his career as well at Villa. Same thing, just never going to work. And uh, we, we, we need to start utilising the players that we actually have. Speaking of up and down performances, mate, we uh, play Sheffield United next Saturday, half five. I believe that's on TV as well. Um, and I think it is going to be quite a, a packed atmosphere at Villa Park. So if you haven't got tickets, get them because it is, you know, it's going to be a loud one. Ideally, and I think we all need to get behind Villa and support because this is a crucial match, mate. This is a smash and grab team of the championship so far. They over win or lose. There's one draw all season. That was against Blues. They haven't won in a while. They haven't won since before that Blues game. They lost against Millwall. They lost against Bristol City and they lost against Preston. So they are on a downward spiral, but that doesn't, that kind of mirrors Villa. In, a, in the sense that Sheffield United were running away with things, you know, not a few weeks ago. And now it's a different story. Now they're on equal points with us, but we're also struggling to find a win. Mate, they haven't won in, in a month and they just concede. I mean, they're hemorrhage goals, Sheffield United. They absolutely hemorrhage them. It all started with that 5-4 defeat to Fulham. I remember watching, um, you know, watching, I think it was, uh, was it what was it they've got on Sky Sports News all the time during the, is it Soccer Saturday? Is that what it is? Yes, yeah. something like super something, isn't it? Yeah, just throw a load of S's in super. there, isn't it? Basically, yeah, yeah. I remember watching it, and obviously, it was. I mean, it was it was good for them for some degree because obviously, Leon Clark got the uh, got his hat trick, but yeah, Fulham basically um, 
yeah, basically, basically hammered them. Uh, now the thing is, like Sheffield United, clearly the bubble has burst. They are a team who have obviously come up from uh, League One. You know, they've got you know they've got a little bit of spunk about them, right? They're they're they're, they're playing well. You know, there's there's a little bit of arrogance going on in that side. You know, they've got some good young players in there. They've got two good forwards in Leon Clark and Billy Sharp. But what's happened is over the last few games, they're probably suffering from a little bit of Villa syndrome. They cook, they took one defeat and all of a sudden their confidence is gone and they're easy to score goals against by the looks of it. Um, and I think this is a this is a thing where, you know, we as a side should be taking on them and basically looking to exploit their weakness at the moment. Because, you know what, as 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 low on confidence Villa might be at the moment after, after three games without a win, Sheffield United are going to be far worse off like there, there is no excuse for not obliterating them at this point in the season, um, because I'll tell you what: towards the end of December, I don't see them. I, I don't see them getting any better now. I think they've had their good run. I think they've had their, uh, you know, had their honeymoon period. Well, I think the bubble's about to burst. Um, only problem is Villa are the only side really who seem capable of ending a team's bad run. I see their goal difference. I see their results. It's win or lose for these guys, and it is a lot of goals either way. Do you reckon it's going to be another case of another 5-4 at Villa Park? I mean, Villa need to score some goals, right? And uh, Sheffield United leak them, but they also score a load of goals, and Villa aren't the greatest at the back right now. We ain't scoring five goals, but I tell you what we should be doing. We should be playing We should be playing two forwards. Like, we, we, like but I think Sheffield United are probably going to line up with three at the back. Like, I think that's that's how I expect them to start anyway. They like playing with wing-backs, don't they? Ender Stevens up uh, up on the left-hand side, by the way. Uh, worth mentioning him. Um, but, like, I think, you know, with, with Sheffield United playing as wide as they do as well, we need to ex- we need to exploit the centre a little bit. I would go as far as saying, right, and this, this might, you know, come across as a little bit silly to some people, but I would go as far as saying we need to drop one of Snodgrass and Adoma and play Grealish on the left-hand side. I think we need to go Grealish, Hurahan, um, maybe even Lansbury instead of Whelan. Poss- no, Lansbury's injured now, isn't he? Um, yeah, Hurahan, Whelan, and then, you know, obviously Adoma or Snodgrass on the right-hand side. And I think we need to go with the two up top against them because we need to make these kinds of teams panic. We need to make them sweat. Sheffield United are going to be scared because they haven't won a game in ages. Like I said, you know, they've, been, they've had three defeats in the last four games. Why on earth would we start you know, one striker or uh, why Why would we play to, you know, tr- draw and, and nick this game when we could quite easily smash and grab this? I think it's as simple as that for us, if I'm totally honest, mate. This should be a smash and grab. Well, one man is an expert at that, Gabby Bonlahor. Do you see him returning or having a role at all? I mean, he did play. We haven't seen him in a while, but he did play against Derby, didn't he? Despite the loss, the 2-0 loss. Is this a game where he features for you? Do you know what? Play, Gabby, right? On... on, on... In all seriousness, right, the guy is an awful footballer at times. Like he, he I, I don't know quite what to, quite, quite not what to give him in terms of you know attributes and skill. Um, and also he's just not consistent. You can't have him playing for the whole season. But you know what? He's sitting there with a contract at the moment. He is, he is in the squad. Uh, and he's the kind of player that does get us a goal when we've been on a bad run. When he comes back, when he wants to prove something. Gabby does well. Like he, if he puts his passion into the game, doesn't he? And I think you know it's it's very difficult for me to 
then go ahead and justify playing uh, a youngster a- ahead of him when um, you know when we do need the points because you know Gabby's got the chance of um, of doing that. And I think I'd start him up top. And honestly, I would start him up top with Scott Hogan. Like, might be the case that uh, Keenan Davis is going to be fit again, better again. Uh, and that might be fair enough. But I think Keenan Davis needs a little bit of tough love. I think he needs a little bit of a spell out of the side. Um, just a little bit, you know, because I don't think he's consistent enough to warrant, you know, being played up top all the time. I think now is the time where we pick, where we put the men back in the team. And I think Scott Hogan, he's got something to prove. Gabby Agbonlahor's got something to prove. And I tell you what, with the support of the wingers that we do have, there's no excuses why we, we wouldn't be able to score goals with those two up top. Any danger, men, that you've kind of spotted out about Sheffield United this season? Is there anyone on their team who could give Villa you know, some heebie-jeebies? Oh, Billy Sharp and Leon Clark are always going to do that, aren't they? They're always going to they're always going to create something. Um I, I believe they have Clayton Donaldson as well on the bench who could always do something. So it might be a case of uh, of him starting. Uh, but my problem with Sheffield United is I don't think that their creative players are amazing whatsoever. I mean, they got Baldock and Ender Stevens on on, on either side. Um, Stevens, actually, to be fair to him, has played fairly well this season, but uh, I can see him being absolutely shut out if, if Alan Hutton is back in time for that game. Um Maybe, maybe Samia Carruthers, uh, you know, a former Villa player himself, might come out and uh, and give a good game because he was never really given a chance at Villa. He might be someone that uh, we need to look out for. So, any predictions, mate? Um, we've, come, we've kind of come in winding down now. Any predictions that you feel for this match? Could it be a high score or a low score? What do you think will happen? Uh, this is an interesting one. I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game whatsoever. I, I can understand why someone might say that it is. Um, but despite the fact that, that both of these sides have leaky defences as of late, I think the biggest problem is that neither of these sides seem to be able to grab a goal at the moment. Even for some reason or another, Billy Sharp and, uh, B- yeah, Billy, Billy Sharp and Leon Clark over the last few games just haven't been doing it. Uh, this is a Sheff- I mean, we, we obviously drew to Millwall um, last week, nil nil. Sheffield United lost three one to them. Uh, you know, clearly they're not doing a very good job of of breaking down sides at the moment. My prediction is Sheffield United come over to Villa. They give us a little bit of a scare, but really, um, this one is either going to be a nil nil or a one nil to me, and it's all down to whether or not Steve Bruce decides to make the right decision on playing a forward. If we go out into that game and Onoma and Onoma plays, and uh, you know we, we don't have a, a recognised striker on the pitch, it will be nil nil. But if we do something different, if we try to throw you know another cog into the machine, so to speak, play Scott Hogan, Gabby Agbonlaw, you know, do something a little bit different, I can predict a one nil victory. I don't think Sheffield United are going to score. I'm going to go for the three two, mate, to Villa. You think this is going to be a high-scoring game? Yeah, I mean, 3-2 doesn't sound like that much of a high-scoring game compared to their previous ones, you know, the 5-4 and all that. But I guess in uh, relative terms, it is. Villa, I don't remember the last time we've scored a, a bunch of goals on a team, and I don't remember the last time we've really fought back to get anything apart from that Leeds match. So I think a, a good performance here would really set us up for a good Christmas period. But losing or drawing is going to be absolutely dem- demoralising, man. I don't think we'll lose. I, I honestly don't think we'll lose because I think Sheffield United are that 
that you know they're, they're sulking big time at the moment. Yeah, they they were they were performing at such a good uh, you know such a good rate a few games ago, and now all of a sudden you know you know getting a couple of defeats in has just absolutely shattered their confidence. They don't know how to get back from it. I think Villa in all fairness, have shown some resiliency. This bunch of players have shown some resiliency over the last couple of years. We've had bad runs and we do come back. We do come back from it and we are capable of putting something together. I think we're the stronger side mentally and I think that Steve Bruce should be able to rally them a little bit more. We're not an awful side, James. It's a case of some silly decisions being made every now and then. You know, and I think so long as the management do their job during the week and, and pick the right side. There's, there's no reason why we should be letting Sheffield United you know, really do anything to us. Well, thank you very much for your predictions, mate. I think it's uh, one we can kind of look forward to and one we can have some optimist, you know, optimistic feelings about. There's going to be a big crowd at Villa Park. They might be opening up the Trinity stand again a top bit. So they might, you know, it might even be a sellout. Who knows? And that'd be good to see for the first time since like this time last year against Burton. So, yeah, again, thank you very much. Any final thoughts on uh, these two games, the Derby game that just happened, Steve Bruce, the lack of a striker, or any thoughts going forward into the Sheffield United match that you'd like to finish off with? Yeah, I think Steve Bruce is making a lot of enemies at the moment. I'd say that to all the other fans at the moment, let's not get you know two on his back in terms of let's not call for a sacking or whatever. So we're not at that point whatsoever. He has of course, put us in a decent position at, at some point a couple of months ago. He managed to get us off to a decent run. You know, fair play to him. We're doing a lot with a lot of players out injured. You know, we're, 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 we're having to struggle through a period which we're, we're not surprised we're struggling through whatsoever. But I just want to say that I never again in my entire lifetime as a Villa fan ever want to see a start without a striker again. Like, that is an absolute embarrassment in in my mind. Some strong words there, mate. Mate, it's an embarrassment, right? When you put out a team like that and you don't put a forward out there, you are basically saying, you know what? I don't think we're going to win this game. You know, we'll, we'll give it a go, but we're here for the taking. Do what you want to us. And for, for me, like, yeah, it's just, it's just not... It's just not on. It's not fair on the fans at all. And it's not fair on the players either. It's not fair on, on Adoma. It's not fair on Snodgrass. It's not fair on Jack Greedish. You know, it's not even fair on Josh Onoma because they're going to be having to work all throughout the game and have no one to put the ball in the box to. Um, and I'm sorry, but unless you're Pep Guardiola, if you're, unless you're a, a world-class manager, Steve, you're not going to make a false nine system work at Villa. Um, so th- that's all I that's all I have to say to end this. Uh, I'm, I'm positive going forward with Villa. We've got January coming up. We're surely going to be making good signings, but I never again want to see a start without a striker up top. It's an embarrassment. It's a disappointment. And it's not fair on other fans. Well, Villa have been leapfrogged by Derby. Derby are now fourth on 41 points. Villa are now fifth on 37 points. Equal with the team that will visit Villa Park next Saturday. That's Sheffield United on 37 points in sixth place. It wouldn't be disastrous if we get a bad result, but we really need to start thinking about beating the teams around us and then moving on to maybe look at 
Bristol, Cardiff and Wolves and target those teams. But again, we don't really want to lose to Sheffield United. And yeah, it's not it's not doomsday yet, mate, as you've said, but we're looking for something more positive, something that we can uh, record next week, something we can go, yes, we're going to take this Christmas period and we're going to bang it. We're going to get a bunch of points and we're going to be looking again at automatic promotion, you know, losing to Derby, not the end of the world. It's one of the most difficult fixtures that Philip. It just it just brings up the nervousness, the anxiety, and the cracks, doesn't it? The cracks in the team. Yeah, I know, but uh, you know what? When have we ever had a good Christmas period? I swear we perform like this every single season around December. I think, as far as I can ever remember, including the Premier League. Yeah, it's not it's nothing new, mate. But again, not the end of the, not the end of the world. We're in fifth place. Sheffield United, big chance to make another statement and again, put the fear in the championship. But man, if you've been listening to this, guys, um, we would appreciate any feedback you can give, any reviews on iTunes, you know, sharing, speak, just speaking to us. You can catch him at DHRAJ on Twitter. We always do like speaking to people, especially about what we've discussed on the podcast. So yeah, if you're feeling it, get in touch with us. Um, we always like to hear from people, right, Dan? Absolutely. Love hearing your uh, feedback and I love that a lot of you have gotten really heated earlier on on Twitter, you know, um, you know, after a bit of our discussion, uh, preview in this uh, podcast, and we want to see it all week. Be uh, be sure to obviously be following at seventy five hundred to halt, uh, where of course we will keep on pushing all the villain news and you, where you will be the uh, first to hear about anything which is going on with Aston Villa and uh, keep the conversation going, guys. Uh, and as James said, I just want to reiterate any ideas you have, especially considering we've got the Christmas podcast coming up. Please do throw them at us. Yeah, um, same time, same place next week. We'll catch you after uh, the Sheffield United match. So have a good time, guys, and uh, see you again, hopefully after a Villa win. Goodbye.